0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Sound of the Lewis presented by Alina Health. I'm Kendra D. St. Albin. I get to be joined by the one and only Finnish superstar... Midfielder, Renaissance man, maybe number nine, maybe winger. I know Michael Boxel wants to play center back with you one time just to see how you do. Robin Lund, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, thank you. Is that the best introduction you've ever had, or do you, do you get different, better ones from the locker room?
1: No, that, that's easily the best one so far.
0: <laughs> so, how do you think you would do as center back? I want to know. Like, you think you'd be okay, or?
1: I think I would do pretty well. I guess.
0: What's the only spot? Not so much, maybe goalie or like, how does Dane feel about your goalkeeping skills?
1: Yeah. I don't think, I don't think anybody wants to see me as a goalie, hopefully. So he can, he can stay there for sure for now.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I do, uh, you know, I, my broadcast partner now, Kevin Egan, when we did must've been the first, maybe it was the first game your home game against Red Bulls and he was talking about you on the air and I think he might've called you a utility man. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like you got to call that has like a negative connotation. I Let's call him a renaissance man because he yeah. can literally play anywhere on the field. So um, I, I want to talk about your time with Minnesota United. And I remember when you first signed and you came over, and I think you were in your offseason, kind of like on a holiday, you know, like just like, hey, I'm going to sign with Minnesota. And you you showed up and there was like these high expectations. I don't think you scored a goal that season, but you didn't seem too concerned about it. And then you came in the next year and just like lit the world on fire is that just your your mo you're just sort of chill do you not read any of the the stuff that's said about you and and all that pressure
1: no i mean uh, i played three years in Greece, and uh, that's i guess one of the hardest place to play from like criticizing wise and uh yeah i i grew up thick skin if you can say say like that and uh yeah, it, it doesn't bother me too much but if if people like to like criticize and I I totally get it like the fans they like to like to chew the teams and uh want us to do well and uh, and if things doesn't go well it's easy easy to easy to criticize criticize players but yeah I'm uh, I'm not too bothered of of that and uh, I'm always like confident about my skills and uh yeah I didn't I wasn't effective and uh, i i knew that but uh, at least i remember i get to the chances and i knew that it's just a matter of time that i i i get the groove on it
0: i love that you're just like calm down calm down people don't worry the goal the goals will come the assists will come you know whatever has been asked of you along the way um Tell me a little bit about growing up with the thick skin, as you just called it. You talked about playing in Greece, but even before that, I don't think I've ever actually gotten to talk to you sort of about your upbringing and your path and, you know, how you got to where you are and the different paths along the way. What's that been like for you? Can you take us through sort of like a synopsis of that?
1: Yeah, I mean... uh uh yeah i started to play football as i call it when i uh, i was a little boy and uh i I think like in the youth i did really well and i i i I really scored a lot of goals and uh, did really well and i think like on my teenage years i i struggled a lot i had some like back injuries and uh and uh i felt like the like the my age I grew up playing they were going going more forward than I did and uh, I had to take I guess like one step back and play with the uh, with the uh, some younger guys and uh, yeah it was tough at that time like on my teenage years people start to get their first call-ups when they're like under 15 16 or 17 and I didn't even get to the camps where they choose the players to to represent Finland and uh, but that never like broke me down or or anything and i just just knew that if 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 i just work hard and uh i i i still have have time and uh yeah i think at when i was like 18 19 i start to like break through and get my first under under 19 collapse and i get to the play with the first team with Helsinki and 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 from there on i just just knew that i i i can i can do it as a professional and uh, and uh yeah, it wasn't easy always, but I I never stopped doubting myself, and I always just pushed forward.
0: No hockey, no hockey for you. I mean, there's a lot of Finnish guys in the NHL. Over, like, can you skate at least? I mean, I can't believe we haven't done a special with you skating yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I played hockey until I was I was 14, and okay, I, and I I really actually enjoyed it. And there's a few guys I played with. When I was younger, who who made some some games in in even in NHL, so so it's it's always fun to watch those guys and uh, and uh, and yeah, I I played hockey and and football until I was at fourteen, and I really enjoyed both. And uh, it was a kind of tough decision because hockey is so popular in Finland, and uh, and and I think it's like like you see people have more chances to get like to the like the highest level. And but somehow I don't know. It's just something about football that that in the end made made me easy to make the decision. Like I said, like it, it was hard decision, but at the same time it was easy decision.
0: I actually feel like there's a lot of similarities between hockey and, and soccer or football, as you call it. Like and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of like the nature of the flow of the game. There's, you know, not really like quote set plays. There's a style. There's, I don't know, like every, a lot of a lot of guys that are from Minnesota play hockey and soccer. I mean, my husband did that as well, and like his whole team played hockey and soccer. So, do you find that there's some similarities in in kind of the flow of the game and the creativity and the reading of the game?
1: Ah, uh, definitely. And uh, I feel like mo- both games are really team oriented. That nobody can do it by themselves, and you have to have to work together as a with your teammates and uh, and uh, when you work with your teammates the best way you can I think you get the best results so for sure that's that's similar similar to football and uh, yeah as you said the game flow it can go like at some point you are really struggling but suddenly in the next five minutes you are you are on top of your opponent so so it's yeah it, it goes goes kind of similar way in both both sports.
0: Just less fighting, just less fighting in, in, in soccer, which, you know, is probably a, probably a good thing, but I want to talk about the team aspect is specifically Minnesota United sort of transitioning into this season. Um, You know, once again, you've been kind of slotted into that midfielder role. Now last year we were playing a little bit deeper on the field when Will Trapp was injured and obviously Hasani wasn't back yet. And um, so now pushing up a little bit higher, what, what do you attribute the team's success early on? I know you're coming off a loss to Chicago, but prior to that, you know, being undefeated, getting some road wins, what do you attribute from your position now that you've been around for a bit to the team's success this season?
1: I mean, uh, I'm just trying to do my best and uh, help the teammates. Uh, I don't think I've been best in, in the beginning of the season. I know I can I can do way more, but but uh, as you said, the team is doing really well and, uh, and uh, I think it's just show how how good we are as a, as, as a team. There's not, not uh, anyone we are dependent on, uh, and, uh, we are just pushing each other and, uh, working together. So that's really the team success in this season.
0: Do you, do you find it difficult to navigate the different positions? You always say the right things and like, I will play wherever I am asked to play, do my best for the team. You know, I mean, you're you, we've talked about this a thousand times, like your sort of your nature. Um, and Adrian's like, well, if Robin's healthy, he's gonna be on the field. I don't know where he's gonna be on the field necessarily, but I know he's gonna be on the field because when he's on the on the field, we find success. So, how do you navigate preparing each week, preparing each game when you're changing roles?
1: I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's tough, even though I enjoy it, because you you always always have to have to think a little bit different way when you play in a different positions, and you have to adapt. All the time. I mean, the the toughest part is that you you don't get the repetitions. Like, let's say, if you always play the same position, game out, game game in, and uh, every every year on the same, you can start to build up some things that you know that works, and then just correct the things that is not working. And uh, and uh, that's I think the toughest part to just adapt and and try to see different way when you play in different positions. And uh, I think it takes always like few games games to to. To really get 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 going on that position because you have to think as I said think a little bit different and and yeah it's it's tough but I I really enjoy it and and uh it's just like I said before I just I'm happy to help the team uh, how they they see me best and and just just go there
0: do you ever find? that you're not as sharp then in certain areas when you haven't played in a spot consistently. Cause when you were on the right and you're cutting in on your left, I mean, that's where a lot of your goals were coming from. And then when you were playing the number nine at times for Minnesota, you found a way to be effective and score goals. Then you dropped a little deeper. You're in the midfield, not scoring as many goals, but being effective for the team in other ways. So then when now you do get a shot opportunity, you do get a chance. Do you feel like you're maybe not as sharp in those moments because you haven't played there consistently?
1: yeah definitely because uh, as i said if you play one position all the time as you said when i'm playing the right side there's things that i do automatically that i don't even have to think about it because i'm so so used to it kind of so yeah there's uh there's yeah moments when you play in a new position that you start start to like a little bit hesitate yourself and things doesn't come so naturally but uh yeah as, as you play a little bit more you start to like realize the things like where to move and uh, how to position yourself in a, in a different moments and uh, and that's that's the funny funniest part because that that's the one I enjoy because I have to have to think about a lot when I play so so yeah.
0: Speaking of sort of adjusting on the fly, when you get called into international duty and you've played different positions there as well, and you're clearly playing with different guys, and what what was that first? senior team first team call up like for you as you just kind of hearkened back to your younger days trying to get the call ups the youth national teams what was the first time you got into the first team and you got your first cap what was that moment like for you and then what's it like now every time you know there's an opportunity to get called back in whether it's for these windows or for friendlies or whatever it might be
1: I mean surely like as a like sporting wise it's one of my product like proudest moments when uh, when you get the first first call up to the to the national team on the first team because it's something you dream of when when you are a kid and you, I remember when I was small and I went to the Olympic Stadium to watch Finnish national team playing and and idolizing those those players and uh, didn't know how to even think about it that one day I could be there in there on on that position so surely it was like one of the proudest moments and uh, and it's just. Even now, I've been playing many years in the national team. I have probably like more than sixty games. It's it's still something like special, special and unique when you when you can represent your your country and put the shirt on and listen the national anthem and and go on the field. So it, it, I I really enjoy it and and uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing and also like there's a since the Finnish country is not so big and the population is not so so high so there's a lot of a lot of guys that i grew up when i was younger and uh, and are like really good friend of friends of mine so it's always nice to go to the national team because at the same time you can represent finland but also you can you can see your friends and uh, and catch up them because we are all living abroad and on a different country so it's it's nice to see them as well
0: how many times has your family been able to watch you play with the first team or your wife or your daughter like how many times because it seems like they're here and you're always going away have have they gotten to see you besides just on television or streaming the game i mean what's what's that like when your family can be a part of it
1: ah uh, it's it's everything to me to be honest like they they being helping me so much that I can be in this position and enjoy my my dreams and uh, and uh, as I always say that I'm I'm forever grateful for them how much they have been doing for me and uh, and uh, yeah I think they've been like pr- pretty much all the home games for sure and uh, and uh, a lot of a lot of away games every time they have a chance to come they they will they will come and they will travel to see see me playing so so it's it's it's. It's everything for me because I know how much they have been done for me. So it's something that I can a little bit give them back. And and uh, and uh, and that's why it keep, keeps you pushing even more in the in the field when you see them on the stands.
0: I remember from a Minnesota United perspective, we were doing the pregame show on the concourse last year and your dad came up to us. He was in town and he was like, I really enjoy watching your broadcast, but I'm really looking forward to this Apple deal so I don't have to stream the games illegally anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah yes. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah this year it's been it's been good for them because it's 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 way easier to watch when they are back in 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 finland so yeah they've been trying i mean we play always like middle of the night i think mo- the usual time is like 3 p 3 a.m or 4 a.m or 5 a.m and still my parents are waking up to see my games and even my brother someday so it's it's nice that they're <laughs> you know that they are there watching
0: That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I know. It's funny because almost every um, week when we do these interviews for Apple, for MLS, every international player has that same feedback, like their family and their friends and the people that have supported them along this journey are now able to watch their games and so much easier. And it's like, there's a sense of, they kind of light up about it because it's just more accessible for them.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Um, When you look at your skills What would you say is the, like you were writing a paragraph about yourself and you're like, Robin Hood, this is, this is what I can do. Like your own little resume. What would be top of the list if you were trying to like sell yourself, pitch yourself to another, another team and you had to like spew on about your good qualities?
1: Oh, I don't know. That, that might be the hardest question to finish, finish, (laughs) finish person to to say,
0: You're getting uncomfortable over there. You're moving around. Oh yeah, a lot. definitely.
1: <laughs> definitely. No, I mean, uh, I think I, I I would like to imagine myself as a all around that there's not many weaknesses. I say that I'm I'm really like, I can do everything kind of in the in the field and and just build up from there. You know, uh, probably say like not having any like big weaknesses is the biggest strength.
0: Now, do you find yourself? working on everything then or like you know what i'm saying like or when you were honing your skills even growing up and you're seeing these other guys maybe advance a little bit and you maybe you know, according to you took a step backwards was there something that you honed in at and you're like or had feedback sometime along in your young career that was like you need to sharpen up on this or that and then you will get to that next level
1: no i don't know i just always uh, I, I i think the one thing like, i like football is because it's it's so unique that there's so much going on that there's so many things you can you can do and and there's not one particular things that 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 happens all the time at the same way in the, in the game. So I just always like to be best in in every aspect. And uh, yeah, I know I'm not the not the fastest player on the on the field, and I, I know it. So I I just try to contribute in other other ways. So I just try to be like as best as I can in 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 different areas, and then just try to be like like all around and 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 unique and that way that i always can play in different position and be there and, and do my job
0: so when you look ahead at this weekend's matchup against orlando city and you and i we were kind of joking before we came and started recording about it sort of being this rematch of with adrian heath and his old team which maybe seems like an eternity ago now to him but there's always something when you play your former clubs it's the same thing when you're an athlete What do you see from Orlando city and how do you guys bounce back from the Chicago game? Or do you even really feel like there's a need to bounce back? Was that just not, not your night? Like how did you guys view even the first half and the second half against Chicago was like two different kind of games.
1: Yeah. I think the Chicago game is like the first 60 minutes being probably the worst, in a in a really long, long time, especially for sure. It was the worst 60 minutes in this season by far. And, and, uh, the good thing is that the last 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 25 30 minutes we we get to play how how we know to play and and we can start to build up from there i mean everybody is 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 gutted that we didn't get the win and 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 this team hate hate to lose so for sure we it's it's good to good good to, that we have a home game to bounce back and and uh, and also like to play home we haven't won yet so that that's something that that that's pushing us forward to have the have have uh, to go on the home game and with in front of our fans and and uh, give them win because I think they deserve it because they are they are always always there cheering us and doing amazing amazing job making the atmosphere so good that that it gives us even a little bit more in the game so so I'm really li- really like looking forward for it.
0: And it might be warm, like you might actually be sweating. You might get out on the grass at at Blaine, you know, before you guys get the get the grass at Allianz. I mean, that's gonna feel nice.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I was talking with some of the friends here in the team that that it's 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 crazy that we always play in the cold weather and it's snowing or like something is not not nice. And then you watch the highlights from the other games and people are enjoying the sunny weather and. And seeing the spectators in the in the shirt, t-shirts and shorts is, like, so annoying. But, yeah, hopefully it's, <laughs> it's a nice weather this time.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I, I was just saying to my husband, because, like, I just opened all the windows to do the podcast. And I'm like, it's days like these that make you forget just how awful the last, like, six months have been. It's like this weird short-term memory where you're like, oh, this is why we love here live here. Like, summer's great. But it's like... Yeah. In the midst of it, you're like, wow, we had like eight inches of snow like a week and a half ago, and it was awful.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time. and uh, You know, I guess the last question I'll ask is just sort of, and I don't know if you'll answer this or not, but I know you and Boxel are, are pretty good friends, and you guys have similar in the sense that, you know, you're married, small children, things like that, and you guys spend, uh, you know, a decent amount of time together. So do you have any good dirt for us on on him or – you know, so then next time I do the podcast with Boxel, I can ask him for dirt on you. Like any any funny stories, any good things on any teammates here.
1: No, I think Boxall is 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 closest to perfect man I, I I can <laughs> ima- imagine. So there is not not a single bad thing I can I can say about him. Unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe he's uh, maybe he's too perfect. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe that's that's the negative. That's the that's the dig. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate. You know, he does have your jersey. Have you seen his? Your jersey is hanging up like in his office or whatever behind him.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean I I got one of his in my okay. my home back in Finland. So so yeah, it's it's nice to exchange change those and uh once the time goes goes forward it's nice to come back on those memories and know who you, who you play with and uh, who you had the best time you know
0: that's awesome thanks robin i appreciate you taking the time i i hear you have a gym session maybe so uh i'll let you get to that but thanks for taking the time and joining me here today
1: perfect thank you
0: all right. Coming up next, we have an additional segment. Peter McDonald is going to come and join us and talk to you about the GA Cup and recap some of the youth soccer with Minnesota United. As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game, too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of health care. Learn more at (laughs) alinahealth.org. Welcome back to the second segment of sound of the Loomis presented by Alina health. And now we're moving on. We, we visited with Robin load the first team. Now we're going to move on to Academy and kind of the stellar tournament that the, uh, the Academy was just a part of for Minnesota United. And I'm joined by the U15 head coach, Peter McDonald. So first of all, thanks so much for joining me. I know you've had an absolutely crazy week getting back into town from Florida, from the GA cup, but thanks for taking the time to join me today.
2: Yeah. Thanks Kendra. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to speaking.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, we the whole league is putting so much emphasis now on the youth movement. And and some clubs have been doing it for a while. It's nothing new for a lot of the clubs. But Minnesota United really kind of finding its form and, and getting the momentum going here. Can you tell people that don't know what is the G.A. Cup and why is it beneficial for clubs and academies like yourselves, like the U15s and the U17s, to go to these tournaments and play this kind of competition?
2: Yeah. Um, well, firstly, GA Cup is kind of the the pinnacle of youth soccer events in the United States um, for the year. I mean, we have a number of events that um, that occur, you know, flex tournaments and and play in tor- playoff tournaments that occur towards the end of the year. But as far as uh, competitive and um, like pinnacle events are considered, GA Cup would be the one that all players talk about. Um, You know, this year, had 49 clubs, a record 49 clubs from 12 12 different countries. And, um, you know, how that's beneficial is is, it's the first time or the first exposure for U15 players to play against international competition. Um, I think if you look at um, other environments, be that in Europe or South America, uh, academy teams are being exposed to playing international environments sooner and sooner um, and that provides a, a little bit of a, a shock maybe to some players who you know they've come from playing their youth soccer in local environments against uh, teams from minnesota or teams from iowa or teams from michigan and now they have playing team from teams from england teams from mexico um we played a team from from denmark so they It really stretches the maybe competitive naivety very quickly um, and allows them to understand it's like okay well we we thought we were we were we were positioned quite well here but we have a lot to learn.
0: So I was just going to ask you about that so what were the expectations from you as a staff what were your expectations going to a tournament like this especially with this group in particular and I understand that a lot of the academy players the second team first team i mean there can be moving parts and moving pieces so finding the cohesiveness with some of these young players to be able to train together be together you know solidify what you're trying to accomplish some guys are going up and playing with the two some guys are coming back to the academy so when when you were going to this tournament how well prepared did you feel this group was at what were your sort of expectations for this group
2: yeah look um we say that ga cup is the pinnacle of youth soccer tournaments um you know, but realistically, over a, 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 an academy player's life, the most important pinnacle is whether he moves moves on to second team or first team football, or whether he comes back to the club as a staff member or a, fa- a lifetime fan. Like they're the most, I would say. You know, if you're looking at key performance indicators for us at the moment, that's where we have to look. Um, we certainly, despite some of the players, and and this is where their naivety comes in. We certainly. As a staff didn't go in and say you know we could win this you know we're looking to win this event Um, realistically where we're situated in the academy ecosystem we are still looking at these events as providing learning experiences for us as a staff uh, providing a direction that we can then say okay we've looked at this we've seen the academies that we've been competing in on a local scale and a global scale Um, we've clearly been competitive against them but now what, where are the pieces, um, you know, wh- what's the details that we need to move forward as an academy that works for Minnesota United? Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of been our uh, expectations. Um, obviously, you want to be competitive. Uh, I think when you look at the caliber of teams that are there, whether we play Northland in the first game, um, you know, under-17s were due to play Boca Juniors, Unfortunately, they had to pull out at the last moment and we ended up playing IMG Academy, but they played Pumas. Uh, We played Arsenal in our last game. We played Club Bolivar for the under-15s. So, you know, to expose the players, the young players, to this environment was very important for, for us. And then it's managing expectations, right? So we had a couple of players who said, yeah, you know, the first night they're there. We want to win it, coach. We want to win it. And we don't want to take that away from them. Um, but then it's it's managing their expectations. Okay, so the, the first game we performed uh, maybe below expectations as an under fifteen team. So it's 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 a learning experience for the ten days there. How do you react to that? So same thing if you're in a first team preseason and you have a poor game as a as a player who might be moving up an academy player moving to the first team. How do you react to that after maybe a poor tre- a training session? So for us it was continuously um, going to be a learning experience. But from a global aspect, as a staff, we had to pay attention to what else was going on in the academies um, locally and, uh, and globally. So if you look at Austin's academy, who won it at under 15, they're only four years in existence. So as we start to grow this, uh, what we want to do with Minnesota United, we have to start to look at you know, where do we want to target our growth? Is it winning U15 GA Cup after four years? I would argue that it's probably not a good barometer of success if in five years' time you've got no first team or or academy players moving into the second team. So there's many aspects of of learning we can take from this as a staff over over the last 10 days. And for the players, hopefully they've learned how to manage their expectations and take things game by game uh, versus setting a, a really high bar for themselves because what matters is the performance in the moment.
0: That is a, that's such a great point because managing, you know, you don't want to take away their um their confidence in feeling like this is something about, you know, they're setting the high bar for themselves and having high expectations for themselves, but managing the emotions and the feelings of when that doesn't come to fruition, especially if you lose the first game or you don't perform well or whatever, you don't get the result that you wanted regardless of who you're playing against. So did you feel like the group grew in that? And they're still only 15 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is this is an age group where you're, and you're bringing guys from all different walks of life together mm-hmm. um, to manage the the expectations, but the emotions and how how they came out on the other side of it. And for the mm-hmm. 17s as well, but more mm-hmm. specifically for the 15s, did you feel like you walked away from it? They walked away from it, having learned a ton and better off for it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think again this year is similar to last year. We had one of the youngest teams at GA Cup. We we carry some 2009, so some true U14s with us. So players who are not yet 14, um, you know, so their, their reality of the world is, sure, we can go out and we can win this. We can go unbeaten for seven games straight. Then the reality of what happens to them in game one where they play Northland and they didn't. Honestly, they didn't know who Northland was. So they don't, and they thought, okay, a team from Denmark, well, we're as good as them because, you know, where is Dan- Denmark? But ultimately, Northland have got one of uh, the most targeted academies in Scandinavia. They use a lot of data to provide their first team with the youngest um, uh, player age per, you know, for any um, team in, in European competitions. I think their average age is 21.5 years old. So they've got a very targeted academy system. So our players went out. We had a plan for for what we were going to do. We wanted to stay true to our principles of what we learned all season. But really quickly, they understood uh, and felt. The biggest thing is I'm trying to get into these lads is the feeling of momentum. They felt how good their academy was. And we were 1-0 down at halftime with a couple of things to fix. But I think the whole occasion started to overwhelm them really quickly in, in that first game because... You know, we ended up losing it 4-0. Now, from a coach's point of view, um, we had to pick up the pieces pretty quickly and learn. Um, So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, game one is going to be really difficult. If we can get something from us that sets us up for game two and game three so that we might squeak out, you know, getting into the group uh, playoff stages. You know, it's not something we set our set our targets towards, but it would have been nice for the club and for the players. Um. You know, so then after that, the conversation shifts to how how do you react and how do you manage your emotions? Okay, so you feel like the world is crumbling and and you can't make it any further, but we have to play Houston Dynamo tomorrow. Um, so right away, it's you think about it. You might feel sorry for yourself for maybe five minutes, but but once you leave the dugout area and you move forward, you move forward to what's next and what's important now is very important for the players to understand. It's preparation. It's recovery. It's the players who maybe didn't play an awful lot uh, of football against Northland. How are they going to use the learning against Dynamo? So we, we drew that game against Dynamo and unfortunately lost it on penalty kicks. And then again, afterwards, some disappointment. Um, You move into the game against Orlando with maybe some, you know, they, they want to qualify from the group, right? They're they're young men who are trying to be competitive and they know what they, you know, they had lofty ambitions. Um. And you go into a game against Orlando City, again, another pretty established academy and, and the direction they want to head. Um, and they eventually come, I think they finished fourth in the event. And, um, you know, they we pushed them all the way to 2 1 at the end. So the only thing that we could expect from a coach's point of view in that was how they would react and how we would stay competitive. Um, after losing the four, first game 4 uh, 0, even though we put in a great effort against them it would be very easy to turn our back on. Okay. Well, we're not going to reach our goals. And so it's, so it's actually trying to reestablish their goal setting on a micro basis on a local basis versus, okay, maybe the global aspect is not achievable, but how are you going to learn? So.
0: Well, when you look at it and how did, were you guys able to go to the U 17s games or I don't know how the schedule yeah. works out, you know, I mean, is there a benefit there in having, um, you know, that connection and, and, Sort of, we, we talk all the time about if you can see it, you can be it sort of aspect, right? And right. you see the 15s that are maybe trying to aspire to the 17s, the 19s, the the second team, the first team, whatever it might be, wherever they want to end up at the end of the day. So how important do you feel that is and beneficial that is that, you know, they can see what what is possibly ahead for them and, and strive for those things?
2: Yeah, for sure. That helped. And I think one of the, the the bedrocks of of what we've been able to achieve in a short space space of time here at the academy is is creating a, a togetherness and a culture of unity. And what helped snap the 15s out of maybe the natural aspect of feeling sorry for themselves was they got to go support the 17s. So they're out there, they're you know I'll say they're stealing trash cans from the hotels so they can beat them as drums for the U17s. And they're back into being supporters and fans again. And with the 17s' first game against IMG, not being against Boca, the 17s probably needed a little bit of a pick-me-up. Okay, IMG, very th- difficult opponent, um, but it wasn't Boca Juniors. So that was their their highlight of their group stage, and it got taken away from them. So uh, we made it very clear that we needed the 15s to be out there and celebrating what the 17s could bring. And, you know, as the 12th man, maybe the 17 scored two goals Uh and have great celebrations against IMG and was set up in that group stage to be competitive straight away. So then we, as a, under 15 staff, we could feed into that. And I think without that unity and without that culture that's driven, it's like, no, hey, go out and support your teammates. Let's not, you know, let's, this is this is one club mentality where you could, there's no feeling sorry for yourself right now. We have to go and, and watch the U17s uh, and, and be the loudest group there. And I think... Yes. Sorry, that, yeah, that went all the way through the group stages uh, and all the way into the showcase stages. We had each team out celebrating each other, and I think we started to annoy the whole complex at one stage because how loud we were. And that's important too because football is a connection of everybody. Um, and it is this whole piece of um, not just one person's performance on any given day. It's this whole piece of, of energy that we can give to our fans and hopefully our club for a long time to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just love that because you talk about two different kinds of disappointments, maybe. You have the U15s who didn't even know who their first opponent was and they weren't even understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And then you have the 17s who were planning on playing Boca Juniors. And so because of the name, it's elevated in their mind that this is going to be the highlight of their group stage game. And disappointment comes when Boca Juniors can't get in the country, whether it was Visa, paperwork, passport, whatever it might be. So you had to, like, you were that support system for them in that moment. And kind of how it can go back and forth and it's not just about your own individual team it's about the academy as a whole and it's about, you know, going back to the system of the second team and the first team and everybody working towards the common goal and the and. Of getting to the first team and if it's not the first team like you said it's being a part of Minnesota United in some way shape or form and moving on I remember talking to Amos McGee about that last year when he was you kind of got into his new role and just Mm -hmm. saying what what his ultimate goal and he loves youth soccer is to make these everybody a a fan of soccer a good human being and if they continue on on this path that's that's like a bonus of course you want to teach that and have them be um, successful from a soccer perspective, but successful as a life perspective. And if they're not, they're coming back in the stands and cheering on the first team at some point in their life.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, Um, when you, yeah, when you look at this event as well, this, this event occurs in April, you know, and what's really important to realize is that we're not outside that often before April,
0: like never, never, very rarely. Yeah. yeah.
2: We (laughs) cleared, we cleared some snow a week before the event to, to get some 11 v 11 stuff happening. So we needed, and we always are going to need, I think the first team shows it too with the stadium. Um, the second team with with what they can create on the road is like, when we go on the road, we have to bring our home with us. So when we watch our players and how united they are together, whether it's at the beach, whether they're there or whether they're supporting them, we need that. And particularly with GA Cup for many years to come, it's always going to be in April. We're not going to have a lot of time outside to prepare and we're going to need... Um, that culture to, to to, drive it so so,
0: yeah. You say you're bringing your home with you. Well, there was, well, there's no snow on the beach there. No,
2: no, absolutely <laughs> no, no snow. But the boys had fun with, I think we were playing some beach volleyball and it was a day away from, from maybe it was just on one of our off days. And and even just to watch them and how they interact on the beach and and there's they're so I keep using the word united, it's kind of corny to use it, but they are so together and so united on the beach. Um, you know, I talk to other coaches and I talk to other under fifteen coaches, and like, well, you guys do this with them and that with them, and like, our, well, our guys would be running off down the street here, and like, for some reason, maybe it's where they're from or whatever, but they just enjoy, you know, a little bit of togetherness, and 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 you can see that through how they played football after a really disappointing start, and then how they played football right through to the end, and with both teams you know, being successful right at the end day, the last final day of the tournament.
0: Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about you and and your coaching because what you're talking about there is a lot of culture. And I think anybody who's been around any sport for a long time understands the importance of culture and chemistry. And if you don't get that right, then sometimes it doesn't matter, you know, what you throw out on the field. And you're part of an elite formation coaching license. And I want to know, you know, how that came about, what that means how you feel like you can carry what you learn from this course into what you're doing now, how much is it tactical and awareness and how much is it just, you know, the, the coach and the mindset. And so much is about mental health and other things these days. So talk to us a little bit about that and and how that came about and what that means for you.
2: Yeah. So this came about, it's a, it's kind of a partnership with the French Federation and the MLS and it's the fifth fifth iteration of this, so it's the EFCL 5 is what it's, it's dubbed. Um, and effectively, um, me and 24 other uh, of my colleagues from Academy Systems and MLS uh, Next Pro Systems are on the course um, for the next 18 months. So it began in Clairefontaine in France in uh, February, and it finishes in Clairefontaine in France in July 2024. So uh, I was put forward by the club um, to take part in in this. It was accepted, um, and we started um, by having a um, seven day, eight day event in Clairefontaine in France at the, in, the INF, where effectively the French uh, football team trains out of the French Federation is trains out of there for their uh, Parisian players, and it was um, it's been a detailed and very um, strenuous immediate look into what the French training system has consisted of over the last 20 years. So if you look at their World Cup performances over the last 20, 10, 15 years, um, they've been very successful with their methodologies of how they produce players. That's not to say um, what I'm looking for from this is to copy it, but it's going to certainly provide a, uh, another look at what a methodology, a successful methodology for player development looks like um, so that first week in Clairefontaine has been um, pretty much providing us what with what the methodology looks like, what the support you know, to speak about mental health what the support of the coaches and the coaching staff um, can look like throughout um, a methodology program so it's not just the X's and O's of tactics. It's not just the individual development of technique, but it's the emotional development of the player over time. So that's the biggest thing is like over time. And that's the big thing that's kind of stuck with me. Over time, a player can develop in this system because they're free to make decisions based around the methodology. It's not a structured, you must do this uh, because this is happening methodology. It's it's more of a system uh, of... If you see an environment like this, maybe it's pressure from defenders, maybe it's um, the rules I have in a training session, then behavior changes over time, and it's okay to make mistakes as as that behavior changes. So it's been very interesting for me to get my teeth into this. There'll be four other events we take part in in the United States, so one week at Colorado Rapids, one week at Columbus Crew, one week at LA Galaxy and one week at Inter Miami, where we will be um, practicing and evaluated on how we do within the methodology. Um, I also went for a week in Toulouse, France, um, to Toulouse FC for a club visit, so effectively to see how that methodology is tweaked at Toulouse within their academy strategy to develop and produce players for their first and second teams. Uh, And then at the end of those Eighteen months, I will go back to Claire Fontaine in, in France in July 2024 and be evaluated on my overall um, performance, which includes the me- how I coach the methodology, how I've been able to present in front of people, how um, I've been able to implement some of the learning within our club academy system, um, and then obviously the final piece on the field, how I develop um, the full methodology on the on the pitch in front of my peers.
0: So does that feel like there's a lot of pressure that comes with that? I mean, you said it's been strenuous because you also you also have like this job, right? That you're yeah, trying yeah. to do and these other, and, and, you know, make sure that you're doing all justice. Like, do you feel like there's pressure that's coming with that? Or do you feel like this, you're just trying to take it all in as a positive experience that it'll help you in the long run. It'll help the club in the long run or whoever it is that you're coaching going forward and, and what you're a part of.
2: Yeah, I think as we, as we continue to develop what the academy can look like over time, it's really important to get different inputs, you know. Whether it's from Toulouse, whether it's from I just you know did an academy director course, whether it's from net networking at GA Cup, whether it's from learning this methodology, whether it's from an old license, whether it's from people like you know, we get a lot of um, great knowledge from the first team staff now. Sean McCauley regularly visiting our meetings. Whether it's from Amos that's been you know at the first team level for for so long, and you know there's so many different inputs that we can gather to create what's important for Minnesota. I think what would be really naive is to go, okay, I'm going to take this French course and that's all I'm going to do at Minnesota United. It would help me get it done really quickly and it would help my time uh, a lot better if I just said, no, we're just going to do this. But yeah, it's going to be difficult over the next you know, 18 months to, yes, I have this team and we have this academy where we want to move players through to the second and first team but I also have this, this thing sitting in the corner that I have eight training sessions to develop in the next you know, four weeks to send so that I can be evaluated on them. But everything is going to continue to feed what's important in the academy. You know, It is detailed. I probably haven't been as, under as much pressure in a course as I have been in this course, but certainly when we were in Clairefontaine, the presentation detail, the way they kind of surgically go through your opinion to see if you're open-minded and then from there, you know, your content has to be pretty good. I, I think this is how they've been as detailed with their methodology as they have been over the last while in France is because they have been surgical with player development. And yeah, it's going to be important for me to, to stay on top of the work, but then not to forget what's happening here at Minnesota United, because it can't be, I'm just doing this right now, and I have to park everything else. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot, but I think by the end of it, we will have a lot of, um, as I say, inputs that we can help grow the academy for for years here. So,
0: well, and last but not least, I want to know how to tell our listeners about how they can find how can they watch the 15th to 17th the academy teams because even when the GA Cup was announced, and it was announced that you know a good majority of the games were being streamed. On Apple, I sent that to, you know, my daughter's club team, some of the teammates that have brothers because I just think it's so important for them not always to be watching the pros mm-hmm. in the first team, but to see what's in between there and the quality of the competition and and building, again, that soccer culture here in Minnesota where you're getting the best talent from the state mm-hmm. and this region to play for your academy. So how, how can people find you guys in your schedule and, and come and, and watch some of your matches?
2: Yeah, the GA Cup one was it was an interesting one because it was their first year with with Apple. So pre- previous years they've put it up on YouTube, and maybe there was more of a selection of games. Unfortunately, Minnesota United didn't have any games, even though the final game we played against Arsenal was a fun game. We were back in the field in the corner, so we have a little bit of uh, we have a little bit of do to do as an academy to to get on the the fields with the TVs on them, and that maybe a chip on our shoulder we can use for for a few years, but. But moving forward, our schedule is online on uh, MLSsoccer.com uh, under the MLS Next. Um, we have some home games coming up. With, we have to travel for the next uh, weekend away, to Columbus and, and Cincinnati. And then following that weekend, uh, we will play Houston Dynamo and St. Louis at home here in Minnesota. I think the, the Houston Dynamo game is actually on the second team pitch. Which awesome. will be which will be a cool event for the kids, um, and then we're at home for a little bit of a stretch, um, with some games here. But in the spring, but nothing televised. So the best thing will be. But I to mean, they can
0: come to the games. That's best the thing to
2: do thing. would be to come yep. to come to Blaine and and check it check it out and check out the atmosphere there. Because again, when the F- 17s are playing, the 15s are there. If the 19s are playing, the 15s and 17s are playing uh, are, are supporting. And uh, it is a, it is an enjoyable atmosphere, especially if a goal is scored. You'll see what it means to – because it's difficult to score a goal in, in MLS next. And it's difficult to score in MLS next, or MLS, in fact. So we celebrate that. And when we celebrate that, you'll, you hopefully people can be there to see what the groups are about, not just uh, in the playing style, but also in how we celebrate things.
0: That's awesome. I love that because, I mean, most of these clubs – they're up at Blaine and NSC all the time anyways, for other mm-hmm. training sessions, for other yeah. tournaments, for other. So I think it's just about knowing where to find it and how to get to it and, and watch it and be there in person. Because then you can, you can feel the atmosphere, you can feel the energy. And then it's just more interest in building and taking the talent that's already here in this state and making sure that they, if they want to be, they can try to be a part of what you guys have going on there. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I'm excited to see what the 17s 17s, 19s and all of the above do and the, the trickle up effect of, you know, getting to the MLS next uh, to the the twos. And then of course the first team as well. So I appreciate you taking the time today.
2: Great. Thanks, Kendra. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, guys up next, we have a, a special podcast. We're going to reach out to some community aspects of Minnesota United. So stay tuned to sound of balloons. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the third and final segment of this week's Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health. And this is a special one because these are the moments I think that Minnesota United as a club really lived for to have this community out- outreach where we can highlight different aspects of what is going on. In our community and what is so important to Minnesota United as a club, as a fan base, as a front office staff, whatever it might be. So this week we are joined by the Indigenous Peoples Task Force and two very special guests that are joining me as well. And I want to I want to kind of let you guys introduce yourselves in the sense that what your title is, how long you've been with the Indigenous Peoples Task Force, and then kind of circle back and we can talk about what you have going on this weekend and what is so important and what is your mission with you guys and in, in, in this community.
3: Great. So go ahead, um, Brenna.
0: You 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 get us you get us rocking here.
3: All right. Uh, hi, my name is Brenna Depis and I've been part of the Indigenous Peoples Task Force since 2010. And my role here is a youth programs coordinator. So I over those years I've done a variety of Native youth programming, mostly after school programming uh involved a variety of topics related to health and health education and um doing some like community engagement and outreach and uh yeah just started kind of doing some soccer programming with our the youth that we work with just uh i guess in 2020 we started doing that so
0: all right sir kirby you're up
4: uh yeah uh um hello uh, uh that's uh hello in my language Ojibwe uh, my name is Sir Curtis Kirby third and I've been working at Indigenous Peoples Task Force for like 11 years now and at the moment I am the artistic director but I started as a health educator um and I've been here a while now so some of my hats have changed you know so uh in in, in that capacity uh we really drove ourselves on theater but me and Brenna I also come from a sports background. We both played college sports, you know, Um, and so I came from a football background and she came from, you know, a a track background. And so we wanted to, you know, make sure that we um, continue to improve the health of our youth. And so I think soccer goes hand in hand, you know.
0: I love that. And I, I think that, too, when we talk about these community outreach programs and what we're trying to accomplish and uh what your mission statement is and when you you guys are both talking about the youth but it's really about the community as a whole and how you're trying to reach the community and and um, educate and bring energy and bring activities bring options how how have you felt like you've been able to accomplish some of that and what what are you doing to accomplish some of those things in the in the community
3: Um, Well, I think that IPTF is really engaged in the community, all different age groups. And IPTF has been part of South Minneapolis for more than 30 years. And so throughout that history, there have been a lot of different programs. We started out as an organization to help Native people living with HIV and then um, have always included cultural programming, things like traditional tobacco education, education, and uh, a big part of our youth programming the, began with theater and helping youth um, tell stories and provide education for the community through acting and um, being on stage and telling kind of memorable messages that way.
0: Kirby, what have you seen? What have, what, have, what have you seen in your 11 years and some of the progress and some of the, like, was there any moment where like an aha moment with for you with any individual youth, any specific individual, maybe it's a group where you just see this transformational process and a real change.
4: Yeah, I think the group that we have right now, um, we have some young adults working for us from the ages of 18 to 22. And I remember a lot of them we got when they were like, uh, a lot of them came to our programs when they're like 11 and 12. And I think um, one thing that We, you know, me and Brennan both came into this and we've been working the program for at least like three to four years and we had trial and error and we've had a lot of good youth and those youth that came before them were great as well. But I think something clicked with these youth and I think that we really knew like we took some of the values that we grew up with and we really just, you know, we had like a lot of high expectations. of them that they, that we wanted to teach them that they should have for themselves, you know, and be able to be able to commit to things. And oftentimes when you don't, when you're not um, playing any organized sports or, you know, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities, you know, in the neighborhood that we come from. Uh, We come from the East Phillips neighborhood. And I I grew up, you know, working in White Bear Lake school district. I grew up in Highland Park. So I've seen a lot of, you know, the the inequities that they had, you know, but I knew that we also had to, you know, install a a lot of rigor in them and a lot of commitment. And so now, yeah, um, today, Today, I'm at my shoe store right now and I'm directing a piece with Pangea World Theater, you know, and so um, I'm not able to go up north with them, but they're up north um, doing a performance that Brenda's talking about um, on their own. You know, and they're, you know, they're, you know, uh, they're 18 to 22 years old and they really are forming a career path as they continue their education. And so I think just working with that group and now we have a bunch of youth underneath them that participate in, you know, soccer programs and theater programs and, you know, uh, community health programs. And so just uh, seeing that leadership being passed and really um, making sure that there's not a gap in leadership as they um, continue to get older and, and our community continues to grow.
0: Well, I know you guys have an event this weekend coming up with Minnesota United out on the great line. There's going to be a soccer game. You know, when you talk about the commitment of sports and just commitment of, um, and it doesn't always have to be sports. It could be something else as you're talking about theater, but just options being available and just feeling like having this belief in themselves that they can accomplish th- these things, that they can be a part of these things, that these are available to them and, Then, you know, and I was just talking about this with um, the academy coaches, if you see it, you can be it. And so when you have these 18 to 22 year olds that have gone through the program, then these other youngsters, they realize that, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too. And these are options that are available for me. Is there some, sometimes Brenna, where you just see this, is that the moments, those are the moments that bring you joy is when you see these things come to fruition and you see it really turning into, you know, see these kids accomplishing these things.
3: Yeah. Um, I, we were able to bring some youth to their first MN United soccer game, um, last year, last October, I think. And I know that, um, just seeing some of those 11, 12 year old boys, like this was, they had never seen soccer played that way before because kind of the soccer that we introduced at IPTF, we were walking to east phillips park doing some like small-sided games individual sort of uh little competition games knee tag things like that and so for i could just see their faces light up when they saw like the the goalie kick the ball beyond half the field and even just feel the energy um that is at mn united and uh so it was just cool to see them uh enjoy that experience and be laughing and smiling and it definitely gave them a hunger to continue to play soccer and when i uh they're part of our programs now and so they're always asking me about it um they're really jealous that i got to have a scarf and um so i'm really looking forward to this weekend when we can bring even more youth to see the game in person and um be part of that native heritage celebration that you guys are holding. So uh, I think this will be a really like memorable moment in their year and maybe even their like middle school, their middle school years.
0: When you guys um, are doing what you do on a daily basis and being a part of, you know, trying to continue to sort of enhance and bring to life the, the community and and what these kids are a part of. And even as they go to be young adults, where and how can people get involved how do they how do you spread the word how do you get people involved how does that how does that come about i know you guys are going to have a table at the long layover this this weekend so i think that's important because you put it out there but how how would you what would you want to say to people
4: uh i would just like to say in general like uh, i think um uh uh, and 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 not to get too preachy you know but in a general sense of like you know uh indigenous people you know like there's not too many places you can go in this world and you can't you know you know you don't wonder about the people that are from your back very backyard or want to taste the food or want to you know see what's going on or how can you help you know like a lot of times like we're, you know we're helping people across seas, we're helping people in all different places you know but i think it's very important that people invest back into you know um our communities and just in our communities in general the people that are here right now and especially indigenous people and get to know them, you know, because um, we have beautiful things and beautiful cultures that we would like to experience, but also we would like to experience other things. And so like Alina, you know, we partner with them in many of different ways and, you know, us being able to, you know, partner with, you know, like we would like more partnerships. We would like to see more, you know, people, um, you know, seeing what, the, you know, how can we collaborate, not how can you just help us, but how can we collaborate in something and you know maybe not us you know maybe a, a, another organization you know so uh that's what i would like to see a, a lot more collaboration um in in these communities and less silos i
0: love yeah. that i think that's such a great aspect and, and you said it i mean you know we're living in this community here and this specifically mm-hmm. we're talking the twin cities or minnesota you know investing back in that community and brennan would you say would you echo echo the same sentiment and then once again like how do people if if someone's listening to this podcast and they're part of another organization they're part of another group that also wants to collaborate and not operate in these silos and and try to work together on things how how do people find you guys how do people find your organization how can people reach out and find a way to collaborate and to be a part of what you guys have going on
3: instagram yeah. uh- <laughs> Uh, We are on Instagram, the Ikido Fire SEMA is the name of our account. And so that's combining kind of our three programs, the Ikido Acting Ensemble, and then Keep the Fire Alive is our mental health teen, young adult program. And then a SEMA is the Ojibwe word for traditional tobacco. Um, Also, the IPTF's website is Indigenous Peoples, tf.org and you can see learn more about all the programs that we have and then um under staff you could uh find kirby and i's photos and send us an email or give us a phone call and also if you wanted to visit our office we are in south minneapolis so um it'd be that's a good way to learn just see uh come see what we're doing what programs are happening and um be a part of it that way
0: you guys have do either of you have um i don't know kirby i kind of asked you this already sort of like one moment or an individual or a, a you know a, an aspect of that but what makes you what really you know fills your cup when you show up at work every day like what and we all want would love to find that in our lives right and when you're giving back yeah. and sometimes i've, I've you know, different things that what you feel like you get more than you give sometimes when you're partnering or when you're yeah. joining, when you're being a part of a community. Yeah. What sort of fills your cup with the Indigenous Peoples Task Force and what you've been able to accomplish?
4: Um, I'll go first, Brenda, I'll let you finish it off. But sure. I think our our executive director, Sharon Day, she's the founder. She's the um she's a great leader. And I think when you see leadership like that, you want to be able to spread leadership as wide as you can because you know um she it always says like lead with love you know or whatever you do do with love and i think when you are able to do that i mean we all have our bad moments and our bad days but when you know that the i um the prize at the end you know is helping your community and continuing to push them forward and i don't just i, I mean even helping within helping myself you know because i think as i help my community i grow so much as a person you know and so i remember like uh probably like seven years ago i told Bern i was like you know, when I'm, you know, when I'm artistic director, I probably said executive director, but I was joking. I I want to be able to like travel the world with these kids and like be able to see. And I think, um, in the last five years, we've traveled anywhere from like you know Los Angeles to Washington D.C. to the deep south of Tennessee, and we'll we're heading to Ireland this June. You know, so uh, to continue to expand these youth horizons, um, to continue to grow, and you know, uh, they you know they grow with us. You know, like as we like uh i have a store called the hype and it stands for help your people eat and it's a shoe store and like you know my youth that are in my programs have like helped you know their family it's like my dad's a you know contractor he's like we'll bring him on over you know we need someone to help us with the store so continuing to like just figure out in every facet of our community how can we grow and how can we continue to help each other and that's what drives me yeah.
3: love cool. that bruna um i'm really grateful that there are there are a lot of moments that have brought me a lot of joy, and like Kirby said, I've I've grown and gained as much from this program as um, I hope I've contributed to the youth participants. Um, I I guess one of my favorite things that I've seen over and over is just wait when, when um, a group of you know like eight to ten kind of shy kids will get together on day one and will. Um, we always have a relatively like rigorous plan, whether it's like so many soccer sessions or we're going to do these mental health packets and activities or create an entire play. And then just to watch them kind of like struggle through the work of it, but to see them keep showing up and then we get to a finish line, whether it's doing a community performance or watching them facilitate programming for others or um, just seeing them be uh, really happy and confident. Uh, it uh, it really, it never stops being rewarding, so.
0: I love that. I do. I mean, I just feel like no one can, um, I don't know. I just feel like there's something, when we do these community outreach pieces and we, and we connect with people, because I know Minnesota United is always doing stuff with different parts of of the community in the Twin Cities and greater Twin Cities and Minnesota area. And that's such an important initiative but then when you actually get to see things come to fruition you see um you know like you said sort of the 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 prize at the end or the the accomplishments made and sometimes it could be the simplest thing it doesn't have to be anything massive but just seeing um you know i'm just such a firm believer in that you get more than you give usually in in just about any one of these Uh instances and you know sometimes we go into think something oh i'm gonna I'm going to join this. I'm going to help this. And at the end of the day, they're helping you more than you're uh-huh. helping them and just seeing that accomplishment. I just love every aspect of that. So I appreciate mm-hmm. both of you taking the time. I know you're both very busy. I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, pictures and videos and everything from this weekend, the lawn layover, the next time this group gets to come to a Minnesota United match and um, really feel, you know, the energy of the stadium and and the fan yeah. base and be a part of that activity. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to join me here today on the podcast, and you know I um, respect and love what you guys are doing, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more from you guys. So I appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Yeah, we're happy to work with you and uh, and then United Minnesota's best live sporting event, in my opinion. So
4: yeah, we're we're shooting for season tickets next year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you go. I love it.
3: (laughs) I I I think that should be on that should be definitely on the
0: list. So I appreciate you guys and, and and thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day you too. Thank you. All right. That's it for this episode of Sound of the Loons. Thanks again for joining me. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Alina Health. Have a great week, everybody.